glorious night it was so long ago. Thank you, Melanie. We appreciate that. I worked hard to keep us out of Christmas. You know, we've been on a series of Advent, and it's not because I don't like Christmas. I love Christmas, but I've been building that expectation, at least, of what we do while we wait. In the first week, we began in Genesis, at the very beginning, and how there was a tree in that garden, and how that tree uh, played a part in our decision to be able to follow Christ or not, and how Christ was born, and how he suffered on a different kind of tree, and how it would open the entry point that we might be able to be with Christ forever. And I said how that really is more of an Advent tree for us as we think about the coming again of Christ. The second week, we talked about John the Baptist and how he was so unique that in the white noise of the world, there had to be a unique voice that would shout out and, and speak about the coming Christ and how our lives should be very similar. Get rid of the white noise. We don't have to be like everything else. He was totally different. Last week, we talked about Mary and how truly Christmas, the Christmas story, as wonderful and glorious as it is, was really not that glorious and wonderful. It was a bunch of difficulties that, that Mary focused on and brought the right attitude towards things where Christ would be fulfilled and turned it into a wonderful moment. Well, this morning, I wanted to really look at, at uh, Joseph. But it just didn't work out the way I wanted to, and so we'll go back a little further this morning, and we're actually going to be in Isaiah, in the ninth chapter, if you want to find it. But before we even begin there, I want to to ask you some questions here. What is it that you really love? Think about that for a moment. What is it that you really, really love, that you love most in life? What do you truly cherish about your life or the things that are around you? What, what really is that? A lot of negative conversation today. I hear probably more about what I don't like or what people don't like than I actually hear about what they do like. As we have finished in the country, one of the most divisive election processes we've seen, and we know it continues here in Georgia and isn't that just wonderful that we have a few more weeks of that to go? But I hear a lot about what we don't like. I hear um, um, this negativity and I hear a lot of gloom. But I think today we want to step out, we want to step past all of that and think about it, what it is that you really love the most. What is it that you cherish deep inside your heart? The thing that motivates you, the things that you want to invest in. What are those things? And I want to ask, if you can really identify those, how much of your time and how much of your energy is really spent towards that or those things that you love? And how much of your time and energy is just spent trying to get by? If you've heard me preach very much, you know that I have a problem with the word love. Because it's just so rampantly used all over the place. And people just say, I love, 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 love. And I'm not really sure that we really give a whole lot of of, of thought into the things that we say about love. It's a strange word. It gets applied to lots of stuff. Because I do love certain things. I I, I love the, the TV show Gold Rush. 
You may have never seen it. I just love to watch it. I love the entrepreneurial spirit. I love that these people were willing to risk all that they're going. I just love. So we use the word love because we like the show that's on. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Now, I don't like the little bitty ones because those have, the, the mix is not right between the peanut butter and chocolate. You know, I need the eggs and, and those type. That, that is the, the peanut butter eggs or, or whatever else they make. Uh, at Easter, it's eggs. And at Halloween, it's like something else. I forget. And they change it up. But they do it well. The, I, I, love, I love Reese's. And I shouldn't love them as much. But I love them. Another way we just use the word love. It's all over the place. All kinds of things. I love Disney. I love to go. But you know, if you really think about this thought process of what love really is, shouldn't we reserve it a little more, more than we actually, shouldn't we just say I like, I really like, as opposed to I love? Shouldn't we reserve that word love for, for something that's a lot more intense in terms of what we would really devote ourselves to? Because I really don't want to devote myself to Reese's Cups. You know, I really don't want to devote myself to Gold Rush, the TV show. I really don't even want to devote myself to Disney as much as I like to go there. I don't want to devote myself to that. Not a lot of things should we really use that word with. So I want to just begin with that thought process about can you really identify what you love, what's so meaningful, and then how much of your time and energy is spent towards those things that you love. Now, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of thought process. And you just think upon that. You marinate it, and maybe at the end of the service we'll, we'll, we'll have some, some action steps for us. But think about all the things in this world that have occurred. And think about that. And think about all the significant events that have occurred. And think about what would mark time. What would be a point in time that that, man, you just nailed it down and said, man, something massive happened there, and the world is so drastically different than before. Not a lot of things that could break history. That would have a division point. That would say this before it was different and after it's different. There's not a lot of points like that. Maybe if we had a, a cosmic event and some massive asteroid were to impact the earth and all of a sudden it was changed dramatically, we'd probably mark those kind of events, right? What would divide the way that we think of time? Maybe it would be the founding of a great empire. Maybe it would be some point in time when there was a government that was so mighty and so good that we would say that's the time that the world began to be calculated differently. But history's full of that, isn't it? The Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire that came and did great things. They're not even big enough to divide time. What could divide time? For us, what could be the reason that today we celebrate the ending of 2020? We celebrate it; it's coming. And what what could be so? And what would be so significant that we would celebrate 2020? But it, maybe maybe it's 4,040, 6,020, 10,020. What would be so different that we would say that it's that it's 2020? What would be this big event? Maybe your birth year would be different. I was born in 1974. Maybe it should have been 4,974. 
Maybe it should be something like that. If something did happen in history, to mark a division between all that had been before and all that was after and that would come after, do you think that would be worth spending some time to learn about? Something so significant that the entire world forever in all of human history marks it as a specific time. Is that something that's worth looking into? I think so. I think it's absolutely something. So if we want to talk about, you know, things in terms, especially in religion, and we talk about things of God and how some people want to just wash it away as, as some event that just, just people thought more of than they should and all these things. There is nothing in the history of humanity that has divided the world the way that this birth of Christ did. And if it really, and we changed how we calculated systems. We view things differently today. And if that is that important to all of humanity... I think it requires us to look at. I think it, it ought to impact us. It ought to change us. I think um, if we really did look at that, I think the quality of our lives could be changed. When we embrace what happened to change the way that we count time forever, I think the quality of our life could change. And you all say, well, yeah, but that's part of what Advent is, you see. We know the event occurred over 2,000 years ago. We know that. But how many times have you had a chance to revisit it and have it come anew that you would set aside time and say, now is another time that I will look and I will make the significance of what happened in my life real? How many times do you do that? Advent is the time that we do that. That we look and we count and we calculate and we give energy and time to. Who could have ever seen it coming? Who would know that this is coming? I mean, if you read the writing, and I'm fixing to read the scripture to you, it's written as though it's already happened. In fact, when you hear the words, you get comforted by it because you think, oh yes, those are such true. But these words are written over 750 years before Christ would be born. 750 years these words are written. And it was written at a time where hope was dead. What does tomorrow look like? We've been in captive and we've been enslaved for so long and everyone's doing wrong. The government is oppressing. It is just not, it was written in the darkest of times. Very dark time. Very much sorrow. Very much emptiness in the life of people. The person that we're talking about, of course, is Isaiah. And he sees a vision of something that is so momentous, so beautiful, and yet so unlikely that it could possibly happen. He writes about it. What did he see? Stand with me. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in the second verse this morning. As Isaiah is prophesying in that second verse, he says, The people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoiced before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of, this, of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. 
For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment, judgment, and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. What are the chances this water bottle has been drank from before anybody knew? It's got a seal, thank goodness. So I, uh, Isaiah sees this vision long before... The child is spoken of here, or thought about. But the child was born, and every, in every moment in history, before his, reverse, before his birth, is referred to, has, coming, has, has come, in the term, before Christ. All of humanity changed. Before Christ, these are the things that occurred. And every event that has happened after the death of our Lord and Savior is referred to as after his death. All of history, broken down, right here, major mark. You can say what you don't like, you can say what you do like, you can say what you don't believe about Christianity or Christ, but what you cannot change is all of history has been changed in a physical way because of his birth. Every moment, A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, So in a very real sense, Christ marked for us every single year that we celebrate it, every time, that moment in human history when the author of of life, the maker of everything, was born on this planet. It marks the moment when God became man. When Jesus was born, God took on human flesh bound himself to humanity that he would know exactly what you and I experience. He acquired all the organs, the eyeballs, all the, everything, the heart, everything that you had. He, this is the day. Not to mention all the complex emotions that we experience. They really come to define us as human beings. These experiences that we have that are hurtful. They're joyful. They're shameful. All of these things that that we have are embodied here in this moment. So that's why Christmas, when we mark his birth, is really so important. But the next question is this, why? Why is, is this event that divided all that's gone on before and all that came after? Why did the prophet's words come true? Then in the land of deep darkness, a light would indeed dawn. The, the things were so dark that it just seemed like there was no way out, that all of a sudden this light would be brought to us. The light being a person who was to live as a man, who was to stem, demonstrate for us what God is like, and what God says, and what God cares about. And that person, the scripture says, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
was out of nothing but the purest love would volunteer to lay himself down in order to make a way so that we could have B.C. and A.D. B.C. and A.D. Every single one of us here today has a B.C. and an A.D. Every single one of us has a mark in our time. And whether you have come to that place where you believe in Christ, you have this moment of before Christ. The way that you lived before you knew. The things that you were engaged in before you knew about Christ. Before you accepted Christ. And then that most of us have had an opportunity to learn about Christ. And then accept Christ as our Savior. And now our life is different. Every single one of us. All of human history is divided by this moment. But each one of our individual lives is also divided by this moment. Where it was dark in our own soul and the light was brought in and we live differently because of it. The truth is when you think about BC it is a hopeless place. What are we living for? All so we can gain all that we can and just, get, and just hoard all of our resources that we might somehow be powerful that we might somehow be rich and we can just hang on to it and then we die and it's gone? Is that really what life is all about? That's pretty hopeless and that's pretty dark. Each one of us knows what it's like to be in the dark. Each one of us knows what it's like to perhaps wake up and not want to get out of bed and pull the covers up and say, no, just not, I can't handle it today. Each one of us knows what it's like when it feels like no one cares And it feels like even though you have friends, they don't understand the circumstances you're going through. Every one of us knows what it is like to be in the dark and there is no light and there is no hope. You do still know what one of the leading causes of death in America, especially with teenagers, is, don't you? It's suicide. Why do people commit suicide? It's so dark. They cannot see a path forward. They just have lost hope. There is nothing. And this is exactly what Advent is saying. That there is a darkness out there. Do not pretend it doesn't exist. It is real. And it is mighty. And, you, and all of us have experienced it. And he's saying, but that guy, there is coming a counselor who will come. A wonderful counselor who will bring the light. And it will be something different. That you will have hope. That you can have renewed sense of purpose. And then all of a sudden the darkness can be torn away now let me just say as, a, as one who has, has followed Christ some period of time in my life I want you to know the darkness comes back sometimes the darkness comes back whether it is of my own making or whatever happens and there are times and I think yes I believe in Christ and it's a, but the darkness comes back and I want you to know that is why Advent and Christ is so important to recognize that you go back to where you started that you see that things are good and you don't just dwell on the moment but you say God has been good he is good and I want to tie into that everybody knows this hopeless place where we can struggle to find purpose and meaning in life. The AD part, the after, since Jesus has come into my life, has been rich. It has been rewarding. It has been purposeful. But it has also been a struggle. But it's been worth every moment. 
Every good thing in my life truly has come into my life as a gift of God who loves me, who loves me with an everlasting love. And the Bible actually says that God is love, that his reason for doing everything, and I think this is very important theologically to understand, that his reason for doing everything, the background music of every, every bit of his actions is only love. It's only love. And you say, Pastor, I've seen where it seems like God is angry. I want you to know that if he's angry, it's out of love. It's not out of, I hate you, you miserable piece of trash. It's out of love and we need correction at times. But every motivating action of our God is out of love. And that's vitally important to remember in our world. Especially when there are enemies out there that we just want to strike down. If we're trying to do that, we're in trouble. He first loves you, no matter what your history is, no matter the things that you've done, no matter the places that you've been, and no matter how dark the hole is that you may have even created for yourself. He loves you, and then because he loves you, he reaches to us first. He reaches out to us with good news that we learn of him, and we grow to love him. There is a before and there is an after. Before Christ, Anno Domini, after. There can be a before and after even in your life today. No one is saying that change is easy. No one is saying that, that once you've seen the light that the world all of a sudden becomes completely easy. But here's the thing that I want you to know and I want you to hear it very clearly. You will not be alone. You will never have a situation where no one cares. There is always one who wants to console you, who wants to strengthen you, even at your very lowest point. Every mountain and every valley, everywhere you go, he will be with you. you and that is part of the, with Advent. It is such a significant event that there was not this ability to be with God. God couldn't be with you, but he says, now I can. That's quite a promise. Pastor, what in the world does that cost? You know the answers if you've been in church very long. The first thing is it absolutely costs you nothing. It's completely free gift that God says, I want to be with you. I want to be your God. I'll be your, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. It's given so long ago. There's not one finger that you can lift to do something to earn it. That's the thing about gifts. It's a gift. It's not earned at all. It costs you nothing. And you only need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe what he taught. You need to believe what his death meant. You need to believe that it was a sacrifice made for you. You believe that and you follow him and you're his and you have complete communion with him all the days of your life. But the second answer is that it costs you everything, doesn't it? Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to follow him, to give our whole selves to God. And I think of it this way. Coming to Jesus really does cost every 
illusion that we hold to that we think is ours. Christ came and he gave himself. We know all about God. We're we're BC. We know all about God. We know the promises that are given. We know that a Savior is coming and the Savior comes and, and all the world rejoices and says it's a wonderful time. But what is often missed is then his life became an example for us to live by. What we talked about last week, it's about a holiness message where he gave up his own personal wants and desires for the help and for the glory of other people. This season calls us to look at Jesus. Calls us to look and say, what is this? What does it mean? How how is my life different? Have I contemplated those dark points and how Christ came and how he destroyed the darkness? Have I contemplated that? And have I contemplated it in such a way that it wasn't just about one time that I learned it? And it wasn't about one time when the pastor made an invitation and I came up and I accepted God and then I went back and all my life has changed. But it's in every single moment, occurrence of our lives, the advent of Christ is always there waiting, always wanting to be there. And we always have to draw up and remember that Christ died for us, that he gave his son for us, that he lives for us, and to show us the way. I want you to know, as we celebrate Advent, the way is being shown. It's coming. Pay attention. It's not there just for, the, for people to look and say, that's a great, nice story. It is there to change who you are, if you'll let it. Well, The first look at Jesus is a very safe one, right? Just a little baby. Isn't that wonderful? That we look at our Savior and it's just a baby. It's non-threatening at all, is it? It's just the child that's there and we get such warm glow. What a great God who would come. But it's also a little bit weird. Think about that. The maker of heaven and earth bound up in swaddling clothes. The maker of heaven and earth who can do as he pleases. Needs his diaper changed. So hard to fathom, it's strange. The first look at his life is pretty simple. The later looks at his life shows shows him as a teacher, as a healer, ultimately a savior. So if you've wondered how Christmas got to be such a big deal, if you've ever wondered why it's celebrated every year, this is why. Like many people, I love music. Well, there's some music I really don't like. <laughs> but I love music. I love to listen. It's always something that's going on. I love the arts. I'm not an artist, but I love to look at paintings, and I love to see what people are trying to express. I love going to the, to the theater and watching people act out plays, and, and it's beautiful when they bring the emotions of who of humankind out and you can experience as though it was your part of the story. I love those stories. I love staring up at the sky and I love going out in creation and seeing all that's there and how beautiful and how wonderful it is. I love it. I love a good movie. And I hope that some of you took your assignment and went home and watched It's a Wonderful Life. No, you didn't. I can see it. You need to watch it. I love my wife. I love my children. I I, I love them with, with the very depths of my soul. 
But all the things that I've ever seen and I've experienced in the 46 years of my life, I got to say, nothing comes close to the beauty of Advent and Christ coming. Nothing comes close. Nothing approaches the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing is more comforting. Nothing is more inspiring. Nothing is more encouraging. Nothing is more convicting than the heart of the Christian faith, which is Jesus Christ. What do you love most in life? What do you truly cherish? And how much of your time is given to that? How much of your energy is devoted to that thing that you love dearly, that really is love, when you throw away all the candy and everything else, you might use the words. I love my family. Is that really the most important thing that I love? It probably is the most important thing on this earth that I love. But is that enough just to love your, your, your family? If we consider what this, real, this word love really means, may we consider the truest love. May we give that love the best of ourselves. The first, the foremost, not the afterthought. May we slow down, and I think that's one thing I love about Advent. And I love the song of Silent Night and O Holy Night. And I love that scene where it seems like all is peace and all is calm. And and I love that moment to think, that's what Advent is. Slow down. Stop letting the world dictate to you what it thinks is important and what you, how you should live. Stop and examine this moment before Christ and examine this moment after Christ and then examine your own before Christ and examine your after Christ and what is it really meaning and what is really happening in your life. May each of us consider how we are loved by the maker of heaven and all creation who proved his love by suffering on the cross for our sins who first first appeared as a Christ child on Christmas day Friday is Christmas I don't know what your life's going to look like this week but I've talked to my wife more than once about we got to do some shopping we're thinking about what we're gonna where we're gonna eat on Christmas Day and getting all that ready. We're thinking about having trying to travel to her mom's house. We got a lot of stuff to do. Wouldn't it be a shame that I would pass through and I'll never give a moment's thought to the one who loves me deeper than anything? And it would not affect how I change how I live. While we wait, let us contemplate. Let us think and let us be changed. If you need to make any action today, you can do it in your pew. You can do whatever you want. But as Ryan leads us in worship to close us out, if you want to come forward, you can. You can always talk to a pastor if the words have spoken to your heart and you need to make a checkup. 
we're all here. We'll close in worship today.